The sermon text reading is from Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is your very first Sunday here. Welcome. Glad you're here. And if I haven't met you yet already, I hope I can do that uh, later on. Uh, But if Since you have been here before, you may not know that we are in a series right now called The Story of Jesus and uh, in Mark's Gospel. We've been doing this since September. Uh, We've got a long way to go, and it's a great ride. But the whole point is to say, if you really want to know what is Christianity, like you're you're brand new, you're saying, man, I I really don't know that much about uh, Jesus, Uh, man, Looking at his life, studying his life, that's what we're doing. Getting to know who is Jesus, whether you've uh, been in the faith your whole life or whether it's brand new. We need the same story. We need to look at the same story of Jesus. And so this morning, uh, what we're doing is we're continuing what we did last week, which was an introduction to the parables. Remember what we said last week, that a parable was this, that a parable was Jesus telling a story, that as a brilliant rabbi, one of his teaching techniques was to tell a story. Remember what we said, uh, if you were here last week, we said that a parable is Jesus telling something about the kingdom of God. So you've never seen a parable that wasn't about the kingdom of God. And the reason why I mention that is way back in September when we started this series, Jesus says something enigmatic. His very first words, actually, Mark records, are Jesus saying, today the kingdom of God is at hand. And so for three chapters, it's almost as if Jesus said something and it's radio silence. Jesus, you said the kingdom of God is at hand, but it seems like there's nothing being said. Then suddenly the parables come in chapter 4, and Jesus begins to teach in earnest, hey, here's what the kingdom of God is about, about through his teaching. And that continues today as we look at another parable, this one about light, about a lampstand. And so this morning we're going to look at that, but what I want to suggest to you as we look at this is that uh, there's a revelation at stake here. That Jesus is saying, look, I want you to know what is the kingdom of God. And I want you to know that it's, it's about me primarily. And because it's primarily about me, it has impact on you. And what I want to say to you this morning is that, man, if we can lean into that, if we can say, Jesus, we want your light. We want your revelation. We're going to experience life and abundance that we were designed for. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. What does it mean to be designed for abundance? What does it mean designed for the light? So this morning, I've only got two points for you. I know some of you are like, I don't know what to do about that. I'm feeling discombobulated already. You don't have three points. I only have two points. Here it is. Number one, right? What has the light revealed? And then number two, we're going to ask this question, how do we respond? And, and the light reveals two things, and our response can only be one of two things as well. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Look at verses 21 and 22 with me. It's a pretty short uh, saying here. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. 
And this morning we had a children's sermon. And, and Dan was doing a great job, Dan, uh, sticking with it. Thank you so much. And, uh, uh, you know, with children's, you never know what's going to happen, right? And, uh, but you remember that children's song? Some of you, especially if you're raised in the church, you know that song. Hide it under a bushel. No. Who said no? Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm going to let it shine. You're like, don't quit your day job. All right. But, but they read this, this great children's song, and you know, we, we probably should be singing that with them upstairs right now. But that's, this passage is about that. And so here's this children's song, and here's this text that we're looking at, and what Jesus is saying is, look, I want to tell you what the purpose of light is. Like, you don't go to Ikea and buy a lamp and then stick it in your closet. You don't go uh, buy a, a fancy chandelier and then, you know, put it, under something, right? Under the dinner table. No, you hang it above. Why? Because the purpose of light is to expose what's always been there. That's the purpose of light. In our home, in our bedroom, uh, there is a probably about an 18 to 24 inch gap between the edge of our bed and Kirsten's dresser. And uh, it's, you know, it's very sharp on the point. And it's about hip height. And, uh, and over the years, there have been times in the middle of the night where I've gotten up and uh, hip has hit the point. And it is incredibly painful. And so years ago, I got an Apple Watch. And there are two reasons why I love the Apple Watch. Number one is I, I can put it on, on silence and then the, the alarm vibrates. And that's important because I always wake up before Kirsten. And so I'm a good husband. I don't want to wake her up. And so, you know, I put the alarm on vibrate. I get up all's well. But then as soon as I get up on my side of the bed, I've got to, I've got to make that 18-inch gap run. I've got to get out there. It's pitch black still. And so I tap the face of my phone. And what does it do? It gives just enough light. Uh, there's not a lot of light on this. It's not like a flashlight. It's just enough light where I can see the point. <laughs> I can see the edge and I can survive for another day. Right? That's what it feels like at least. And that's what light does. Light is there to reveal not what, what's coming, but what's already there. Now, here's why that's important. Remember what I said. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then there's radio silence, but not really. He just hasn't taught on it. But for three chapters, the kingdom of God has been coming. And, and so how does it come, Scott? Well, uh, the blind man who can see, ah, oh, light. Uh, the, 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 the man who's, who's in paralysis a few weeks ago, we talked about that, whose who's limb uh, was in paralysis and Jesus brings life. He brings healing, right? And then as he teaches, what were the people saying? They're saying, no one, you know, can you imagine being the other religious leaders and the rabbis hearing this? No one teaches like this guy. This dude's amazing. No one has the authority to teach the way he does. And then what does he do? The, the man, he, you know, remember his, his friends are brought and he heals the man, forgives him of the sin. And remember what the religious leaders say several texts ago, they say, who has the authority? To, to heal. So only God can do that. And Jesus is like, uh-huh. Yeah, and? Yeah, that's the point. You know, he's just saying. So we've seen over and over again, not just through the teaching, chapter 4, but over and over through the miracles, through the authority opposing the religious leaders, but the authority of God to heal and forgive sin. Here's the point. Here's, here's where I'm going with this. Here's what I want you to hear about the kingdom of God this morning. Here's this phrase. We hear it a lot. Kingdom of God, what is it? Listen. Jesus didn't come into the world simply to save you as an individual. In fact, I want to make this statement. That's not the primary purpose of the kingdom of God. The primary purpose of the kingdom of God is not just to save you, get, get you a, a get-out-of-jail pass from sin and death. The purpose of the kingdom of God is to heal the cosmos. 
of which you are part, thanks be to God. You are part of God's healing process. And so, yes, He wants to redeem you from sin. And and sometimes in the evangelical community, we get so obsessed and caught up with the individualistic nature of things. And that is not why Jesus came. Jesus came to heal the cosmos, friends. Right? I mean, and, and like part of what Jesus is doing as he's looking at the world and he's entering into the world for the sake of entering into brokenness in order to heal brokenness everywhere. This past weekend, I, I was, I've been away and we just got back last night from our annual elders retreat. And so, you know, in the last 48 hours, of course, the, the news, you know, has hit the fan with, with Memphis. And, and so I hadn't had a chance because we were just, I just hadn't had a chance to look at the footage uh, until last night. And it broke my heart. And I, and I know it breaks a lot of your hearts to see, once again, brutality. And, and I want you to know that, 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 that we need to, as people, look at that and we need to somehow connect that to the kingdom of God. We need to somehow make a connection as modern people that when Jesus came and he says, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand, it has something to do with Memphis. It has something to do with the violence in our streets a week ago here in our own city. Why? Because, because when we feel that righteous anger enveloping our hearts, why is it there? Because, because we're made in the image of God. And God has made us not for individualistic salvation. He has made us to see the, to see the cosmos redeemed. Right? And so, so what is the purpose? Two things here. What does the light reveal? It reveals Him. It reveals the purpose of His coming. It reveals that the character of the kingdom. And so as we look at His teaching, as we look at His ways, remember a few weeks ago we said, look, we can't get just hung up on His words and His works. We need to become, as people of God, in a sense, obsessed with His ways, how He does what He does. And so as we look at not just His words and His works, but as we look at His ways, we see the very character of God on display. A character of compassion, a character of mercy, a character of truth, a character of judgment, a character who cares. And so uh, he reveals, but then of course, and you can see where this might go, the second thing there is it reveals us, right? And there are two things about that in particular. One, it reveals our design. It reveals what we're, we're made for. Right. Again, I, I, I point back, you know, that passage we read, Genesis chapter one, the most iconic words in the English language, probably uh, in the beginning, God. Right. And then and what was the very first thing after that? And God said, let there be what? Light. Let there be light. And then and then, of course, we see the days of creation, the beauty, the goodness, the order. And then how does it end? Remember at the very end of chapter one in the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. Like we've been made in His image. And so what, when we look at God, when we look at His words, we look at His works, when we look at His ways, we see something about who we're designed to be. There's that, that phrase that we've mentioned before. It's, it's, um, it's an ancient phrase. Be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea was that, that when Jesus, or any rabbi for that matter, because all rabbis had disciples, and as they were traveling along, they're on these dusty pathways, and, and the rabbi was the one who led. And you followed behind. And as you followed behind, you would be covered with the dust of your rabbi. 
And so the blessing upon you as a follower of God was, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. It's beautiful. It's, it's imaginative. And, and so part of what's being revealed in us is that we are designed to be covered in the dust of our rabbis, to practice the cosmos and the healing and all that that entails for us. But then secondly, it not just our design, but it reveals again our brokenness, right? It, re- it reveals that, that we, are, we are men and women and children who are desperate to receive healing. And, and you know, what, what do you need when, uh, when there's decay? Like, uh, uh, you know, I go to the dentist every year, and uh, hopefully you do too, right? And, and so when you go, you know, they, they typically now will have like a, like a light on their head. It's like a, like, they look like they're going caving, essentially, my, at least my dentist does. Uh, but whether it's on their forehead or whether it's up above, like they have this incredibly bright light. And but what's on their forehead, what's funny about that is, like you know, they're looking into my mouth. They're looking for the, the cavity, the decay. They're, they're looking for the plaque, for the cleaning. And then they make conversation with me. And just for a split second, they look up, and it's like blinding because they're making eye contact with me as they do that I can't see. But, man, I'm so glad they have a light that's blinding because when they have a very sharp instrument in one of the most tender places of the body, my gums, I want them to have the brightest light possible and what it reveals. And Jesus is saying, look, I need to, I need to come in and reveal your heart. And so the, the most important question you can be asking today as you leave this place here, the most important question you can ask today is this, who is Jesus? And, and what he said about himself, what was revealed about him, is it true? Because if it is, what does it reveal about me? What does it reveal about my life and the gap between what I see in Jesus and what I'm designed for and where I'm headed? Which leads to the second thing. Remember, only two points. Here's the second one. And that's how are we going to respond to that? His light reveals himself, his character, his, his desires to heal the cosmos and heal us. But then how will we respond? There's only two responses. And look at verses 24 and 25. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, let me just be honest with you. When I first read this, I was like, what are you saying? Like, you ever feel that? Like Sometimes when Jesus is in the middle of a parable, you're like, that's the whole point. Remember, we talked about that last week. It's, it's like, Jesus, this is a puzzle. Tell us more. What do you mean by that? And so literally, like in the, in the original language, it's like... Um, with a measure you use, it will be measured to you so that you might receive a measure. Measure, measure, measure. What in the world is he talking about, right? And so let me, let me uh, reveal the secret there, as it were. Like a measure was, was, was knowledge, life in the sense, given. And the question was, what will you do with it? So when he says a measure will be given to you, it's like, you know, you measure out for your recipe for your cooking. Like a certain amount is given to you, right? And so the question is, what will you do with it? And so there are two responses to Jesus, always. Two responses. One is, I want more and I want less. Let's deal with I want less first. Remember last week in the parable of the seeds, we talked about this. There was that first seed that falls on the hard, hard pathway, and it can't penetrate the water. The seed can't penetrate. It just washes away. And so one of the, one of the, one of the ways that people can respond to Jesus, and people do respond to Jesus, is say, I want nothing to do with you. But, yeah, I don't even know if he existed or not, but, you know, I certainly am like, I'm good. I don't need anything here. Nothing, nothing for me to take away here. And what Jesus, I think, is saying here in this passage, he's saying, look, life is organic. 
And it's not static, in other words. And so if you receive something, if you don't do something with it, it goes away. It's like this. If you've ever studied for anything in your life, right, and you work so hard, you're in school, you're in graduate school, and you work so hard to, to, to memorize everything, and then you're like, I'm done. I've got the grade. I've got the degree. I'm moving on. What happens to that knowledge? It goes away, right? Or if you go to the gym, I know. It's the new year. You're like, New Year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym, right? I'm going to build up muscle. Well, what happens in February and March? You're like, eh, I'm done, right? Like, what happens to that work that you've put into it, right? It's not static. So if you go to the gym, you need to know this. If you go to the gym and then you leave the gym and you don't come back to the gym, you don't get to retain the muscle mass, okay? So if you know I had surgery this summer, I went about three to five months without being able to do that. Let me tell you, you don't retain the muscle mass. Instead, you gain something else. Right? That's typically how that works. And so, so what Jesus is saying is life is organic, it's not static. And you're either moving forward towards me or you're moving away from me. There's no such thing as the middle ground. And there's a warning here, friends. There's a warning in here. Make no mistake, Jesus was full of warnings. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus was full of invite, but he's also full of challenge. We say that all the time around here. Challenge and invite. Every parable is challenge and invite. Every story Jesus tells, every teaching, challenge and invite. And so there's a warning. And what Jesus is saying is there's a point of no return. Now, at some point in the future where you say enough knows, right, you're left to your own devices. And Jesus is saying you don't want to go down that path. You don't want to pretend falsely that the world is static and what I have is enough. No, you need to make a choice. It's a fork in the road, proverbial. You need to choose which pathway you're choosing here because there's no static life. And so part of what I think he's saying is, is which pathway uh, will, you, will you choose here? You know, And I, we see this post-Christian culture a lot. Right and, and outside the church, and you say we know the stories less and less, fewer and fewer stories, less and less less cultural knowledge. But I think the primary purpose of the story is not for them; it's for us, so to speak. Meaning, like it's for the church. Well, what do you mean, Scott? How is it possible that that I could lose the knowledge? Here's here's how you do it. Jesus looks at your story, right, and there are parts of you where you say, Jesus, you're not allowed to come in. Uh, you're 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 I'm happy to listen to what you have to say about relationships. I'm happy to hear what you have to say about money. But man, I I don't want to talk about, um, I don't want to talk about sex maybe, right? Or um, I don't want to talk about what the decisions I've made in the past. Or maybe it is money. You know, like, uh, geez, I'm happy to talk about sex. Uh, Let's talk about my ethics in the workplace. But man, I do not want you to say anything to me about money. Why? Because I'm afraid of what you're going to say. I'm afraid of what, if I really start looking at what you said about money, if I really start looking at what you said about ethics, if I start looking at what you said about fill in the blank, I'm afraid that it might change me. It might, it might force me to make a decision at the fork in the road. And I don't, I don't want to see that. I, I saw in a certain I saw this uh, back in 2010. So we had only been in church for a couple of years. And uh, some of you, I'm looking around, you were here back then. Thank you for hanging with us all these years. And remember that conference we did, Dignity Conference, back in 2010 at our old space over on Croc Street? And I uh, remember, so if you, most of you were not there, the conference was about how do we bring dignity to people in Atlanta who otherwise aren't seen. And so we were working with various community partners who are working with those who've been trafficked, sexually trafficked here in our city. And, and if you don't know this, I know some of you are visiting from out of town or you're brand new to Atlanta, you need to know this. Atlanta is one of the, 
when the primary convention centers of the world, people travel to Atlanta for conventions all the time, which means what? It means that they are invisible, uh, that they are, uh, you know, in a city. What stays here happens here. We're kind of like Vegas as well sometimes. And so what happens is that we've developed this underbelly in our city for sex trafficking. And there are all these organizations that are doing remarkable work. Some are religious, some are secular, but they're all doing the same thing. They're working to bring dignity. And so we had this conference, and we were connecting community partners to our people. Some of you got involved in those organizations. It was awesome. And I remember one day, uh, like the day before the conference, I'm at the church, and one of the owners of the building where our church was at the time, he was uh, around the area, the premises, and so I was telling him about the conference. Here's what, just what I told you. Here's what's going on. And I'll never forget, he, he wouldn't make eye contact with me. He was looking down, and he said, because uh, I'd said, hey, you want to come? And he said, I, I don't think I could do that. And I didn't ask him why. He volunteered. He said, uh, uh, that's a lot of darkness, and um, I just don't need that in my life. I don't want to see that. He literally said, I don't want to see that. You know, and I think, man, sometimes we're like that as Christians. I don't want to see that. Jesus, um, I'm, I'm happy to come and hear us sing and, and pray on Sundays, uh, but I, I don't want you to get too close, right? And so I, I want us to hear that word this morning. I really want you to hear that this morning. That, like, when we say, I want less. There is a cost involved. Jesus wants to know your story. He wants to be invited in to places of trauma, anger and abuse, neglect, uh, places of, of brokenness that, that you're responsible for, that you'd say. And he's, he wants to come in and heal. And so the question is, do you want more? Which is the last thing here. And so for those people who want more, it's verse 25, for, the, for to the one who has more will be given. Here's that. You've been given a measure. Now you're going to get more. What does that mean? Well, here's the first thing that it means. It means you recognize that he is Lord of your life. Remember, he says the kingdom of God is like. These were all the parables were like. And so every kingdom has what? A king. Right? And what do you do when you're in the presence of a king? Kirsten and I just finished watching the most recent season of The Crown. Right? Now, I don't know what you think about the monarchy, right? I know we're all Americans. Uh, well, I know. we. Ian, where are you? Sorry. Uh, here, I know we were making jokes about the British life earlier here like that. Right. But most people here, you're, you're, you're probably like, what's the big deal about the monarchy? Uh, like enough, uh, pardon the pun, but spare me, right? Some of you got that. Um, but, you know, there's enough of that going on here. But listen, regardless of what you think about the monarchy today, when you're in the presence of power, when you're in the presence of, of majesty, what do you do? You bow down, right? You bow down. And, and, and what are we doing when we, we submit like that? We're given the most vulnerable parts of ourselves. Uh, one of the things I love about my dog, Winston, is that when I come home, every time I can go away just for a few hours or the whole day or go away, uh, when I come home, I go to my bedroom and I put my stuff down and take my jacket off. And my dog, Winston, follows me. And he does the exact same thing every time. So we have this rug also in our room. And, and uh, I put my stuff down and he looks at me. He's, he's down on the ground with his head up. He looks at me. And as soon as we make eye contact, he turns over and gives me his vulnerable side. Uh, he's, you know what I'm talking about? Like, dogs do that, right? And what are they doing? Right? Uh, they're saying, you're alpha. I submit my most vulnerable, like for a dog, from the neck to the belly is the most vulnerable part. And they do this in a pack. And whoever Alpha is, they, they say, you can have me. 
like, you're like I'm, I'm submitting here like that. And let me tell you, talk about stroking my ego. You know, a little 10 pounds, stroking my ego. I love that. You're alpha. Kind of thing like that. Like, but, you know, it's just saying, man, I, I give you my most vulnerable parts. And so, and so when we say, I want more revelation, saying, I, I give you my most vulnerable parts. I give you my soul. I give you my heart. I, I give you my story that needs healing. I give all that to you, Jesus. And I invite you to come in. And as Kirsten likes to say in marriage counseling, the goal of your life is to get a Ph.D. in your spouse. Or in the case spiritually, the goal of your life should get a Ph.D. in Jesus. Like, you, you never should stop learning. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you want more, you're going to get more. Like, if you, and here's the thing, there's a the paradox. The more, more you get, the more you want to give away. And the more you want to empty yourself. And the paradox there is, like, the more you empty yourself, the more you full you become. It's like this. I look around the room. I see some of you, your Bible study teachers. Some of you are actually teachers. And you know this. When you're teaching a lesson, who gets the most out of the lesson? You. Why? Because you're, you're like, a, a, you know, obsessed with it, so to speak. You're, you're, you're drinking from it deeply. I'll tell you as a, as a pastor, right? And I see a few other pastors in the room here. Like, you know it. Like, who gets the most out of that sermon? You do. Because you've been working on it. You've been drinking it. You've been thinking about it. You've been trying to live it out. And, and so, like, that's what he's saying. The more you give away, whether it's preaching, the more money you give away in the kingdom, the more rich you become, Jesus says, elsewhere. And it's not quite health and wealth prosperity. It's not like if you give a lot of money away, you're going to get a lot of money in return, but you're going to get rich. You're going to get rich in something. You're going to get rich relationally. Right? And here's, and which brings to the last thing I want to say before I sit down. Jesus wants to make you rich, but the way that he makes you rich is that he empties himself out. And so he practices the very thing that he's saying, the more, more you give yourself away, the more you're going to be poured out, the more you're going to receive. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Some of you will say, wait a minute, Jesus was never rich. Jesus was poor, wasn't he? He barely owned any, I mean, the tunic on his back. That's it. Like, what was he rich in? He was rich in Jesus, or excuse me, rich in God. He was rich in relationship. And Jesus says, I pour myself out. And where did he do that? At the cross. And at the cross, what does he do? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? He lost relationship with his father. Only place, I've said this before, it's the only place where he doesn't say father. Because he had lost that sense of belonging to the father. Why was he poured out in that way? So that he can make you rich. He can make me rich relationally. And so what is the secret of the kingdom here? And as he goes through these parables, the kingdom of God is like this. The secret of the kingdom is the more you are poured out on behalf of others, the more you will receive in return. And so, as you think about our city, I want you this week, here's, here's a little homework for you. We always talk about how do we apply this? So here's a little homework. I want you to think about what you do for a living. Or I want you to think about your, your talents if it's not what you're doing for a living right now. And I want you to think, how can I leverage that for the kingdom? How can I leverage, whether it's for pay or not, how can I leverage what it is that God has given me? My, my time and my talent, my treasure, how can I leverage these things to bring the kingdom of God to bear upon our city? For some of you that's in the healthcare industry, how can I be part of bringing healthcare you know, to, to those who desperately need it? Uh, you're in the housing industry. Uh, how, can I, how can I create housing 
that would, that would benefit others who, who need a leg up, right? Or it's in teaching, it's in academics. How can I bring the witness of Christ to bear upon my industry? Jesus has blessed you with gifts. And he says, here's the measure. Now go and do likewise. Bless other people. Why? Because Jesus, through his life and then his death, has made us rich. And so bring to bear your blessings, your riches upon the nations. Bring to bear upon this city. Bring to bear upon this world that desperately needs to hear the hope of life in the face of despair and violence and brokenness right now. Bring the kingdom of God to bear. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, your witness through your son Jesus. Thank you that, that we see what the kingdom of God looks like as we look to the life, as we look to the death of you, Jesus. What we see there is the life. And so would you bless us as we go out from this place today? Would you, um, would you answer the question, um, Jesus, who are you? And then secondly, would you answer the question, how can I take my time, my talent, and my treasure and, and bless the nations for the healing of the cosmos? Father, one day, no more tears, no more sorrow. The promise of the cross and the empty tomb, the resurrection life. One day we're going to have it in full, and it's a mystery as we live in this world where we feel like we have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in darkness. But Lord, we pray more of your kingdom to bear upon our lives and in our hearts that, that this city and this world might see more of your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is Redeemer and King. Amen. Amen.